Hi, everybody. This is Cornell Thomas, international speaker, author, and life map coach with Amy J on the Chasing Dreams podcast. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers. This is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to Chasing Dreams, episode number 59, with Mr. Cornell Thomas, who is here on the show for me today. And he does have a bio, and I could read it. It's more fun to actually talk to him. I'll give you a quick blurb. He's a speaker, author, basketball coach, world changer, and he's doing some amazing things. And it involves positivity, which you know is like right up my alley. So I'm excited to have him on the show. We're going to talk more about him. So I'm not going to read his whole bio because he's done so much, you know, it's just go on and on. Plus, apparently us being on the show together might be a problem. So Cornell, (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Assuming we can actually get through this without messing up. (laughs) That's not going to happen. No, no, we're we're just going to keep on going. Cornell here has done so much. In fact, he was just on a podcast episode that I listened to today on August 24th with my friend Trailblazers podcast with Stephen Hart, episode 30. And you guys could probably just not listen to this and go listen to that because it was an amazing episode. Those two did a great job. And so all of Cornell's story is over there. I have no idea what we're going to talk about here because of that. But yeah, and and you know, Stephen was on this show recently, so... The two of them doing great things. And Cornell, you you took some time out of your busy schedule because you were traveling. You were on a morning show recently, weren't you? Yeah. Yes, I was. I was in uh, Rhode Island. I was in Massachusetts. And then I ended it in Connecticut at a good friend of mine's basketball clinic. I spoke to his kids and parents and helped him run a basketball clinic there. So three things in in two days. I mean, whirlwind. You're you're driving all over the place. We met at Podcast Movement where I met, you know, a number of other amazing people that have been on the show. Cornell, though, was not someone I, you know, naturally ran into, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. 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 So Cornell actually put a post up um, because of his personality. He likes to meet people. And he put a post up. uh, Was it the Podcast Movement Facebook group? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And he just, you know, said, hey. I'm from New Jersey. I'm a writer. Would love to meet people. Was that it? I think that was all you said. It was something like that. I mean, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as creepy as that, but, uh, it was, (laughs) (laughs) it was, uh, it was something like that. It was like, I'm, you know, author speaker, you know, love to connect something like that. Yeah. Probably, probably the, the love to connect part. And, you know, there was something about the way he worded it. And if if you're in the podcast movement group, you guys can search for it and find it. Yeah. It was very, positive. And I don't know what it was. It just kind of shined your personality. And so, you know, I was like, just like Stephen Hart, who Donald Kelly, 
mentioned um, on social media and said, hey, he's going to be there. You should check him out. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to meet Steven. And then I saw this. I was like, I want to connect with, with Cornell. He seems like a fun guy. He seems like someone who's doing something he loves and would be perfect for the show. True story. I did think that before I actually met you. <laughs> Meeting you just cemented it. I just kind of randomly came up to you and was like, are, are you Cornell Thomas? <laughs> did you think I was like a, um, a subpoena clerk? Someone trying to serve no, me? No, the first thing I did when you said, when usually someone comes up to me and they say, are you Cornell Thomas? I just take a half a step back because I don't know what's going to happen. So after I realized you had this really like big smile, I was like, okay, I don't think she's going to stab me. So I think I'm good. And then that's how we met. Like I was, I forgot who we were even listening to. And you came up and just said, are you Cornell Thomas? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then next thing you know, we started talking and I adopted you as my cousin. And then the rest is history. Indeed. Indeed. And it was Carrie Olson's session on voiceover that yep. we that we were in. And there's something about what you were doing. You gave me your book and autographed it for me. Thank you, by the way. No worries. And you just have this positivity about you. And what you talk about is also that. So you're emitting the message you're trying to share. So for those who don't know you or aren't familiar, because I, I totally did not give a bio, essentially. Mm-hmm. You are on this uh, mission to change the world, right? Yeah. To make it a better place than it was before. And through that is your belief in the power of positivity. Yeah. Have you always had that belief? I think I've always subconsciously had it because my mother uh, implanted that in me and my siblings' heads at an early age without kind of naming it, without saying, hey, be positive. Uh, We were raised on the old adage, everything happens for a reason. So within that phrase, it kind of makes you look at adversity different. So when things would happen, I'd say, well, you know what? Maybe there's a reason for it. I might not discover it now, but maybe there's a purpose for what we're going through. So my mom kind of planted that in my head and just kind of seeing how she conducted herself, raising five kids by herself since I was four. My father passed away when I was four years old. Uh, and just seeing her you know, go through the bumps and bruises and always have a smile on her face around us, I think kind of shaped who I am today. And, you know, growing up, as you were, did you see a lot of opportunities to kind of grow? Sometimes it's it's moments that have us questioning that that theme, that faith that we have. Did you have to face any of that? Yeah. I mean, I, fa- I probably faced that multiple times in my life. There was these little lessons that I look back to that really kind of changed my mindset. And one of them was about giving. It was me, my mom, and my sister were driving the car from the store. And my mom is like, you know, she's a country girl, like no nonsense. Like, we don't, you don't talk back. It's not like the kids today. You're not talking back to your, to my mom. You're not saying you're going to call Dyfus. You're just going to sit in the car and shut up and listen. And so one day we're driving home from the store. My sister's two years younger than I am. And for whatever reason, maybe she had like too much Fruit Loops in the morning. I don't know. But she was like kind of being like a little wordy, like a little bit too wordy for, Tina Thomas's taste, my mom's taste. And I'm in the front seat and I'm looking back at my sister like, you're about to die. Like, shut up. Like, it's it's about to happen. Now, you're, when you say wordy, you mean like mouthy? Like, like mouthy. She's like, like saying. She's, she's going saying, back. Like, she's talking back yeah, to you. Uh-huh. She's, going back, she's going back and forth a little bit more than uh-huh. she should. It wasn't anything like crazy, but it's like. No, no. She smacked her teeth. Like, it's like, what? Oh. Like, are you are you nuts? That moment where you're looking back like, what did you just do? Right? Yeah. 
I'm Got like, you're you about to die. Everybody like, knows that feeling. Everybody knows that feeling. Mm-hmm. So I'm in sixth grade. My sister's in fourth. We're driving home. And that weekend before, I was uh, with our church group. And I worked so hard to get this 20. We were like working on this like construction site. And I had to like, you know, throw stuff in the dumpster, me and my brother. And the reason I did it was to get the $20 they're going to give me at the end of the day so I can buy a laser tag gun. And so <laughs> we're driving and I have this $20 burning in my pocket. And my sister wanted something from the store so badly. And my mom was just like, Alicia, no, we're going home. And for whatever reason, I just reached in my pocket and I said, here, take it. You know, because my mom didn't have the money to give it to her. And my mom just looked at me and my mom said, Alicia, what do you say to your brother? And my sister said, thank you. She's all excited. And, you know, there's my laser tag chance. And so we drove home, went to the store. Alicia, my sister got her stuff. We drove home and a week passed by and I was sitting in my room. My mom walked in and she put $40 on my dresser. And we, I'm telling you, we just didn't, we did not have it. And so she put $40 on my dresser and I said, mom, I only gave her 20. And my mom said, Cornell, when you give, you get back double. And she gave me a kiss on the forehead and she walked out. And I will never, ever, ever forget that lesson. And I, you know, now when I talk about it, you know, when I share the story, when I go speak, I I tell people like, when you give, you get back exponentially. And it's so true. And in that little lesson, my mom just, I mean, I was in sixth grade. I mean, this is decades later. I still remember it like it was yesterday. So my mom used to drop things like that on us all the time. And, uh, and I'll never forget them. No, that's like straight out of the Cosby show. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) a practical lesson, a very important one. Uh, Absolutely. And so you're learning from that. And, you know, parents, they're they're amazing and resilient. I can only imagine how strong your mom is. And you're going through this. So that still doesn't say your positivity. So you've had you've had little bits of it coming here and there. So what did you want to do as you were growing up? Did you have a dream that you were like, this is what I'm going to do? No, I want to do nothing. So nice. How do you do that? Uh, you just sit down and you don't do anything. Like you wake up and you eat cinnamon toast crunch and you run around all sugared up and do cartwheels. How long did like, that last? That lasted until I was about 16 and a half. Right. Okay. And uh, I, I just never dreamed of being a superhero or being a you know firefighter or a police officer like my father. I didn't really want to be anything. I was content with just being a kid. And then when I was about 16 years old, you know, we were in Virginia, in this uh, small town called Bird's Nest, Virginia, where my mom is from which is the size of probably my MacBook. And uh, there was just literally nothing to do. So me, one of the days, me and my brothers and my sister were just sitting there doing nothing. And I looked under my cousin's bed and he had all these newspaper articles. So I opened a newspaper article and there was a picture of my cousin with the basketball on the front cover. And at the po- that point in my life, I had no idea that kids could be in the newspaper, let alone on the front page. And it said, Carlos Taylor scores 25 points and win. And I read every, it was probably about 100 newspapers. I read every single newspaper article that week. And I started doing the math. I was like, man, if I play basketball, I can be famous. And then I looked on his wall and he had like 50 senior pictures of like the hottest girls I've ever seen in my life. So I'm like, not only will I be famous, (laughs) I'll get a date. I'm like, this is a win-win situation. And at that time, like MC Hammer was big. So I had like hammer pants. I had like a crooked like high top fakes. My brother used to cut my hair. So I was in a lot of friend zones. Like I wasn't getting a lot of dates. So I'm like, basketball is my ticket. So 
I just started, I dedicated myself to the game of basketball. And I was absolutely horrible for like the first three, four years, five years. And then it just clicked. I never, as I doubted myself, I never let my doubt stop my do. I just kept working through it and uh, ended up getting better and then getting a full scholarship. And then, you know, I was all from there. Okay. So I've always wondered this. You were not good. Yeah. You worked hard. You practiced and you really worked on it. Were you like, uh, was it varsity, JV? Is that a thing? When you yeah, went to school. school then? I mean, were scholarships just given? Yeah, I'm not 90. I didn't say you were 90. <laughs> Every school is different, dude. You're like, did they have classrooms when, yeah. you, when you and Jesus went to school? Yeah. Was Jesus in your homeroom? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they had. You know exactly what I mean. I know what you meant. Right. But when I was a junior, a junior in high school, it was the first time I ever tried out for basketball. I had no idea that if you're a junior in high school and you're going to a school where the basketball team isn't very good, if you're on JV, that's not a good thing. You should be on varsity. So I had no idea. Um, I was on JV with two other guys. One played the tuba and the other one, I think, was in the marching band or something like that. And they just not nothing against the marching band or the tuba. It's just that that was their first love. That was their first sport. So my senior year, I played varsity, but I never played. I just sat down and handed out water uh, very efficiently though and then after my senior year i ended up going to a junior college for two years I, actually i took a year off for school to save up money to go to college and then i went to a junior college for two years and at that that second year so we were like four or five years in it finally started to hit what happens is when people are bad at something they stop and they say okay well i can't do it and that's where you know you see that there's this uh, old meme where Two guys are digging for like gold and they're both like three feet away and one's turning around and walking back and the other one's still digging. You know, that's kind of what my journey was like. I just never stopped digging. I just kept working towards what I wanted because about three years in, my why changed. And instead of my why being about getting girls and being famous, my why became I want to play professional basketball. So my mom, who worked three jobs since I can remember, never had to work another day in her life. And when that why became stronger, that's when things started to really take off. Did you love basketball? Did you grow to love it? Or was your why working on this uh, to help your mom, was that enough to drive you? It was. It was a combination of my why being strong and the fact that I was in love with basketball. Basketball, besides my family, was the only thing that I ever fell in love with. I mean, my notebooks were filled with just basketball pictures and hoops, and that's it. Like, I fell, I mean, I fell hard <laughs> for basketball. And uh, it's funny, I fell hard when I was terrible at it. So when I started getting better at it and seeing, you know, what could, what the possibilities could be, uh, every day I would fall deeper in love with the game. But today you're not playing the game. Today you're coaching the game, right? Yep. Well, is there a month. reason for that? Uh, yeah, I'm older, uh, like you stated, you know, I'm on uh, 90. But you're not 90, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, medical technology has come a long way. Yeah, well, I was... A week and a half, two weeks away from playing professionally in Europe. I got a contract to play in Lisbon, Portugal, to so their top division. And about, you know, a week before I was supposed to go, I was out playing uh, with some of my friends, just random game. And I went to the basket and I heard a pop. And I fell on the ground, tried to get myself back up, couldn't get myself back up. My friends came, helped me up. Uh, like a fool, I drove to the hospital. It was my right, my right angle, which I thought. Dragged my, you know, foot to the emergency room, and the doctor told me that uh, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. 
when that happened, it happened on a Sunday. That Thursday, I was in a hard cast. My contract was voided out, and uh, the end of my dream was right there in front of me. And so as I was sitting, <laughs> looking at four walls and watching my mom go to the job that I wanted to play professional basketball so she never had to go to again, I just started crying. And I was all about kind of the problem. You know, I wasn't about the solution. I, I was in complete why me mode. Why this happened to me? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, you know, I work hard. I'm good to people. And instead of being in why me mode, I kind of switched it to what now mode. Okay, this happened. What are you going to do now? So I got a job offer to coach a junior college, my old junior college, actually. My uh, old coach was the head, was the AD there. And I, I reluctantly said yes. And then after the first couple of months, I realized like I wasn't, I wasn't meant to play basketball. That wasn't my purpose in life. My purpose was to help others and serve others. And I started doing that through coaching basketball. One, I'm happy that, you know, you're, you're well now and you're, you're able to still help others through a game you love. Yeah. You mentioned though, that stupid you essentially, uh, for going to the hospital. I mean, was there really anything you could have done to save your dream at that point? No, I mean, my Achilles was done. So I worked myself back. Uh, to I think I was probably like 85, 90%. I wasn't fully back, but I was definitely healthy enough to play. But this opportunity came up uh, to coach. And instead of going in the back, you know, in the rat race and going to camps and going to, I started seeing the signs that maybe playing wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Could you have though? I mean, outside I of think, the opportunity I think, I, that I was there. So. Sure. I think I could have for sure. But the one thing that I tell people now because I'm going to reflect back on it is when the universe gives you signs, listen. And there are a couple instances that came up where the universe was telling me, dude, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> like this is not what you're meant to do. And when I started finally heeding those signs, uh, it got me down my path I'm on right now. And if I didn't get on this path, uh, the family I have right now wouldn't be here. And there are thousands of people that I never would have met if I saw, if I you know ended up playing professional basketball and not doing what I'm doing now. You ever hear that story for for those who are uh, spiritual when someone was stuck in a flood and they needed help and they called out to God, God help me please, and He sent a boat or He sent all these different ways, right? And He never takes it. He's like, I'm waiting for God, waiting for God, and then He dies because He never got any help, yeah. and He comes and he talks to God. I was like, you didn't help me out. Yeah. And he's like, God's like, I sent you all this stuff and you didn't even use it. Yeah. I, is that what you're, what you're kind of, there are all these signs and things you just yeah. kind of have to open your eyes or be open to the possibility. Yeah. I, I think opportunity is like when you buy a car for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. When you buy a car for the first time, you see that freaking thing everywhere. Right. And oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. Like, like as soon as you buy a car, it's like that's all you see is the car, right? You're like, oh well, crap, where's this car been this whole time? Your neighbor has one, your cousin has one. It's the same thing when you open up your mind to the power of the universe and some of the things that could happen. You start seeing things for the first time, like your eyes are actually open for the first time. So once I open my mind to the fact that maybe there is something other than playing basketball, then the signs started to come. Now, when you had that injury and you had, you said you were focused on the why. Yeah. And then you switched your mindset to focusing on 
the what now. Yeah. How long did it take for you to go between the why and the what now? Um, for me, uh, it was probably a little bit faster than other people. It took me about a day. Um, wow. Seriously? Yeah. yeah, it really did. Because that Monday, I was in the gym shooting from a chair. I called my friend up the next day after Thursday, I, you know, mourning the, the injury. And then that Friday, I called my buddy up and I told him to pick me up on Monday. You know, Monday, I was shooting from a chair for the next six months. And it was just, I've been working on my mindset, like to, to get better and all the stuff I've been through as, you know, as a youth and, and coming up, uh, my mind was already pretty, pretty darn strong. So it didn't take me that long to get back in the gym and start working on, you know, getting better and recovering. So you've coached a number of people though, and I'm sure many of them have been in a situation where they were in a why. Yeah. Where they were just focused on the why, right? Yeah. What do you tell them to get to the what now? Because it, everyone processes it differently. Your mom helped you yeah. plant these little seeds, right? And I'm sure that helped in your quick turnaround. Yeah. But for most people, I mean, especially the the things you see in TV and movies, it takes forever. I mean, fast forward through the commercial breaks, it still technically takes forever <laughs> to go from why to what now. How do you do it? Well. The biggest question to ask yourself is, how is the why serving you right now? Like, what is it doing for you? In my situation, me sitting in my room worrying about why me and why this happened. Well, how is it serving me? I know why me. I know what happened. I know what the injury is. I injured myself. Okay. So what's the next natural question? Well, now what? Like, think about it. You know, that's the one thing I talk to people about, not just athletes, even the people that I just coach, you know, one-on-one. Okay, this bad thing happened. It's terrible. It sucks. I get it. But now what? Like if we spend every single day fixated on this problem, you have no time for the solution. So I don't tell people, oh, get over it, blah, blah, blah. No, man, everybody's different. It's okay. People, let, let me get this out real quick. People have the definition of positivity misconstrued. People think, people think that positivity is your dog just died and you run around like Richard Simmons saying it's okay and like, you know, acting like there's, you know, nothing wrong. That was an accurate impersonation, by the way. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I tried my best. I, act, I even put on the shirts. But <laughs> positivity isn't the absence of human emotion. Positivity is not living in negative emotion, right? It's okay to cry. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry sometimes, but you can't live in it. That's where the problem. When people ask me, why are you so positive? Man, I have my moments. I'm a human being. I'm not an android. If I'm driving my kids in the car and some dude just cuts me off, right? I'm not going to be like, thank you, sir. Can I have another? Like, I'm going to be like, what the hell is this guy's problem? You know, so I'm not, but I'm not going to chase him down to his house and start hitting his car with a stick, you know? So I look at, Negativity, like how an avalanche forms in a, in a cartoon, it starts off as a snowball and it builds up steam. It builds up steam. So next thing you know, it's an unstoppable avalanche. You have to stop negativity when it's a snowball. Well, if you could stop, the snowball is manageable. An avalanche isn't manageable. It's unstoppable, right? So it's the same thing with your negative thoughts. Once you have one, right, you, you stub your toe in the morning and the next thing you know, you spill your coffee. 
And then you hit five red lights. And then a lady that just got out of bingo, who's actually 97, you're behind her. And she doesn't know where she's going, right? And then all this other stuff, it just piles on. So stop it when it's a snowball. It's easier to manage. There's a chance you can survive an avalanche. It's not impossible. You could do it. But it's definitely much, much harder in comparison. Sure. I'd rather get hit in the face with a snowball than being an avalanche. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's like a snowball to the infinity, right? Yeah. Being thrown just at you. Just don't throw a snowball in my face. I, I, would, I don't want a snowball in my face. I'm just saying I can survive it. So once you, though, you're, you're teaching this stuff and you're coaching, but you were also starting this power of positivity. When did it become a mission for you? Uh, it became a mission for me, I would say, about four years, going on four years now. So I was coaching for a good six years, and I got the book The Secret. And everybody knows the book The Secret. And when The Secret first came out, everybody thought that if they sit crisscross applesauce in their room and say, I want to be a millionaire, I want to be oh, a millionaire. nice. I haven't heard that in a while. Like <laughs> Crisscross applesauce. Every, you know, money would pour out the ceiling. And just setting an intention isn't enough. What I got from the circuit is not only do you have to set intentions, you have to actually start putting work behind your actions, right? So that's when it happened. And then I was on Facebook one day and I was reading my timeline and it was just super depressing. Whatever day it was, like, I don't know. It was just super depressing. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to start this movement. I'm going to take one positive quote and put it on my Facebook every morning when I wake up. So I want that to be the first thing people see. And even like the drama bomb people started liking it. So I was like, okay, there's something to it. And then one day I lost the book. And I said, well, I got, I got to do something. So I made my own quote. And people still liked it. So I was like, screw the book. I'll just make my own quotes. And then the quotes became blogs and the blogs became books. And after I wrote my first book, The Power of Positivity, Controlling Where the Ball Bounces, I was like, I want to go out and speak. So I just started put myself out there on social media and end up going to Vegas and speaking and, you know, England and all these places with no publicists, just me and referrals. And I'm so passionate about what I do. I just really don't sleep a lot. I just want to go out there and spread the word as much as possible. And you have such a personality that it's not surprising. I was, you know, for someone who goes into speaking, my yeah. typical question would be like, were you nervous? But, you know, I'm sure everybody at this point has realized yeah, that's a dumb question. Let's not ask that. <laughs> that being said, though, you're actually working towards something. You're working on the mission, but you're now taking it and you have something happening in the spring. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Sure. But, but I'll go back. I don't think it's a dumb question. I think it's a great question. You know why? Because there's two ways you can look at nerves, right? Wait, the question about uh, were you about scared or nervous? nervous? Being nervous or being scared or whatever. Okay. There's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as nervousness or excitement. So whenever we're going to do something big, we all get this pit in our stomachs. And if you look at it as nervousness, your mouth gets dry, your legs get heavy, you feel like you're about to you know, just throw up on somebody, you feel terrible. But if you look at it as excitement, then you're ready to go. So once you hit that stage, once you get in front of that, those people for that presentation, you're ready. It's like when I was, when my mom sticks to the Six Flags, right? The next, the night before, none of us could sleep because we're excited to go, right? We couldn't wait. So whenever I have to go speak, even like this uh, Friday, 
I'm speaking in front of like 100 people or so, not like a huge crowd, but in front of 100 people. I have a pit in my stomach, but it's excitement. Like, I can't wait to go out there and speak. You know, you start, you know, you're telling me, talking about the spring. You know, I decided last year, I was at the Tony Robbins uh, Date with Destiny. And I'm sitting there and, you know, it's great. And Tony Robbins, Tony, you know, unbelievable and a real dude and just like, just dropping knowledge. And I'm like, why don't I run my own thing? And what I want to do is I want to make a positivity summit, but I want to make it a little bit different. I don't want to just have speakers in from all over the world. I want to go out and do something. I want to go out and be active. I want to go out and make a ripple in the world. So instead of just sitting down and, you know, having speakers talk and breakout rooms, which is great, let's go out with the people that I have in front of me, the 200 people I have in front of me. Let's go out and, and change the world. Let's go out and, and do some some acts of kindness. So that's how that formed. And uh, it was going to be in September, and I pushed it to March because I, I wanted it to be fantastic. So that's how the Positivity Summit formed. And I want to do three a year all over the world in different parts of the world. And the one in the spring is going to be East Coast? That one is going to be in New Jersey, and it's a TBD right now. It's going to be the second week of March. And uh, I'm actually meeting with a place tomorrow to see if uh, we're going to have it there. And guys, there will definitely be more information coming from us. And of course you should be following Cornell after this episode anyway. So, you know, either way you'll get more information and it's spring 2017. If you're listening to this, you know, not then. So you're aware, (laughs) right? Just so that everyone's on the same page there. So you're actually doing all these different things, right? Coaching, you're speaking, you're planning Mm -hmm. a summit, which, yep crazy at the same time. And you have three books. I believe you're working on another book. Yeah, I just got done with my third book, got done a month ago. And my kid's book is going to be illustrated in uh, another couple of weeks. So I'll have four books by the Positivity Summit. Where where do you have time? (sighs) I tell people all the time, Amy, if you try to find time, you never will. You just have to make time. And that means getting up at 4 a.m., if that means going to bed an hour later than I would, if that means squeezing in a half hour between you know my kid's nap or whatever, then I just do what I got to do because my mission right now is a little bit more important than my my sleep. And sometimes you have to get out get out your your comfort zone uh, to make some some amazing things happen. And I'm I'm more than willing to do that. And guys, he was so kind in his busy schedule to scheduling me in for eight twenty. <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic. You know, we weren't sure we would be able to make it happen, but there was a sliver of time at 8.20 and he might've said 42 seconds. I'm not sure. It's all a blur. I was just so excited to see availability. Oh, I think, I, said 43. I think it was 43 seconds. <laughs> I'm just saying you're a very busy man in trying to, trying to make this happen. So I'm stoked that we were able to get you here because you're doing some amazing things and you're very encouraging of people to chase their dream. Yeah. When you're working with all these people and you yeah. encounter new people, like when you encountered me or Steven yeah. and other individuals, right? What is it that you see common? Yeah. And I'm going to use people who are already doing something they love and chase versus people who may not have started. Okay. I think everybody from both sides, people that are chasing, people that are trying to figure it out, we're all in some type of transition, right? Because the people that are like yourself and Steven and me, 
our transition is evolving. We evolve. Me and you talked before this. Uh, we started recording, and there's like two or three things we were talking about, like, hey, maybe we can do this or maybe we can do that. Like we're constantly evolving. Our mind is constantly working. The people that haven't got there yet, their mind is if – you, if you hire me to coach you, if you hire me to – you know, for us to do life mapping, that means that somewhere in your mind you've said, you know what? I want to change. And that's transition. Change is transition. You know, good or bad, it's transition. So I think that we're all in transition. Some of us are there and we're just transitioning into more amazing things. And some of us are ready for that transition. And then you have the other people that they, they don't want to transition anywhere. They just want to stay where they're at and they're fine and they might not be happy and they're not, they don't care. And those people are very content just being in the rat race and being on the hamster wheel. And the one thing with me is I never try to force people to think the way I think or be who I am. Everybody's different. You know, we're all snowflakes in terms of we're all different personalities. If you want to live your life and be content with just doing what you do, no problem whatsoever. You go for it. But the people that are transitioning, that want more, that want to chase their dreams. So I love your, your show. It's just I always talk about chasing dreams. I tell people, chase your dreams until they get tired of running from you. And that's what people like yourself and Steve and me, that's what we do. So I just think the transition theme is is prevalent in most people that I meet. That's a great analogy to describe it. I've never thought of that. And it, it, I want to talk a little bit about the last part of what you said, that if you are happy with what you got going on, if a nine to five is your thing, if you know you choose not to give something up so that you can chase your dreams, right? Because I, I came across something on Tumblr. And it kind of goes, um, maybe it's brave to quit your job to go paint in Peru for a year, but it's also brave to work two jobs to help pay for your mom's medical bills. It's yeah. smart to stay at the law firm until your loans are paid off. It's okay to only tolerate your job, but love your hobbies because as soon as passions are turned into careers, you risk turning love into work. So you don't love your job. Mm. Who gives up? Are you happy with yourself? Are you happy with the way you treat people? Are you happy with your life? And the source is sometimes it's okay to not follow your dreams, which I agree with. I mean, that, that's essentially what you were saying. Yeah. To each, to each their own, right? Like whatever you want out of life, I cannot come in your house and judge you for what your house looks like. Right? We just have different dreams. I mean, look, there are billions of people that are cool with their nine to five. There are billions of people that are are cool with making enough money to pay bills, have a white picket fence, have 2.5 kids, a dog named Sparky, and a cat named Mittens, and wake up every day and do that. I'm not one of them. I know there's more. I just know it. And you're the, you're not one of them. Steve, it's not one of them. There are people that were just not in that mold. I'm not in a cookie cutter mold. I am trying to change the planet. I can't do that working a nine to six cubicle job. So, you know, to each their own, you know, just have enjoy as long as you're happy, you love doing what you do. If you don't, if you don't love doing what you do, if you're happy, then be happy doing something, doing that. I'll be happy leaving a legacy and, and leaving my footprints in the sand. Absolutely. And that's definitely guys. while, while the show is chasing dreams, it is mostly about your happiness and what you're doing. So if you're happy with what you're doing, you know, more power to you. If you're not, that's the point where we're talking about and what, Cornell has mentioned, think about it. Is it time for your transition? And 
the other thing, you know, my dad had a quintuple bypass like 10 years ago and, you know, he's well, he's here today, but you know, when you're there and you're waiting as the surgery is happening and you're praying, um, we're Christians. So we're praying, you know, you pray and you thank everybody, not just the doctors, but the nurses, right. The hospital staff, the janitors who keep the place clean, yeah. right. Everybody has a purpose or job and you know, all the power to them. Everybody deserves respect and happiness. And that's all we're asking of each other. Sure. You know, I'm, and that's why I love what you're doing because you're not forcing anything upon anyone. Yeah. You know, you're just like, you know, as long as you're happy, if you, if that's what you can say honestly about yourself, you know, more power to you. It's different for me, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Post situations are fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And I think a lot of people compare. I mean, do you find that there's a lot of comparison? And sometimes yeah. you end up starting to live or work on someone else's dream, yep. mistaking that for your own. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of uh, beat the Joneses. Yes. And when it comes to your dreams, it's just absolutely crazy to me. Like if it comes to your dreams, like if I'm looking at where you are in life and you're way ahead of me, maybe financially, success-wise, whatever, I can't look at your middle and compare it to my start. I can't look at your end and compare it to my start. I have no idea where you are in your path. And I could be just starting my path. So why am I going to compare the two? You know, so it's like, if, if you're successful, that's amazing. That's great. That doesn't affect me. Like, okay, cool. Go for yours. You know, I got to focus on myself. I think people are so busy looking to their left and their right. They're not looking forward. And you can't go anywhere without crashing into something <laughs> unless you're looking forward. You know, I'm not worried about my left and my right. I'm always looking forward. I'm looking ahead. I use my rearview mirror to look back on the past just to help with the blueprint for the present and for the future. But my, my, my eyes are locked ahead in what's going on ahead of me. And I want to make a distinction of what you're saying is, and, and what we're saying is, you know, you shouldn't compare yourself from one person to the other, but that's not the same as the Olympics just happened, right? And, and Cornell, you had a personal example as well. You know, so much focus was made on the stars you know, mm -hmm. and how well they've done. You don't have to compare yourself to them, yeah. but use them as motivation, right? I mean, you had that example yourself. Sure. What I think about when I think about the Olympics, I honestly think about the people that don't medal. Because yes. the people that don't medal, it doesn't mean they've put in any less work, right? It or that they're mean, a failure at all. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're a failure. They got to the show. And they worked their butt off to get as far as they possibly could go, and maybe meddling isn't isn't in their in their their path. Maybe it's not supposed to be, but they worked their butts off to get there. And you never hear about fourth place, right? You barely hear about third and second. But I think there's something to say. Hey, you know what? I'm a I'm an Olympian, and not only what point one percent, not even percent of the population can say that. So when I think of the Olympics, I do think of how people don't all people see is the is the the destination they don't see the journey that the person went through to get to the destination and that's what's unfortunate in terms of comparing yourself to other people oh well this person got there well you know tony robbins is a billionaire well that must be this dude used to sell his stuff on qvc you know this this cat he didn't grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth he had all sorts of stuff i mean les brown was a, abandoned you know he's an orphan 
you know, from Liberty City. You know, like he was in the worst, you know, area, one of the worst areas imagined. And, you know, they said he was retarded when he was younger, that he never learned, blah, 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 blah. Like these, you, all you see is the, the destination. You got to look at people's journeys. I love, I love biographies. I love documentaries because I love seeing the journey of people. Like, man, what did they go through to get to where they are? And that should give us all hope because there's people that have gone through just insurmountable odds to be successful right now. Malcolm Gladwell has a book called David and Goliath. And he talks about the advantages of disadvantages and how the adversity that people have gone through, it's not really a disadvantage. It's an advantage because it makes them scrap and work even harder. Napoleon Rich has something in his book where it's like born poor, wonderful. <laughs> like that's a part, like that's like a, like a part of his book. Like, okay, you've had some adversity in your life. That's great. Now, now you're prepared for life. Absolutely. Cause you know, you're right. You don't see the full story. And that's the thing um, I think everybody needs to be more cognizant of when you hear news stories. You don't get everything. You get what that producer has put together, for example, right? And to your point, you know, when an Olympian is at the Olympics, I have a friend, Cleo Burrell. She is a shot putter from Trinidad and Tobago, and she's been to the Olympics the last three. Wow. Amazingly. She was the flag bearer at the closing ceremonies. And whether she meddled or not, it's irrelevant. She was at the show, right? She works hard. And since college, she's been busting her butt and doing it. And you don't hear that. You don't hear that story. But, you know, you guys should dig dig deep. Find out what's going on. Wow, that's that's, that's awesome. I hope she's coming on the podcast. podcast. I hope so. We talked about it uh, briefly before she left, but, you know, I wasn't trying to hound her before she went to the Olympics. I'll, I'll, I'll try to touch base afterwards. But, you know, there are so many of those kinds of stories. And, you know, when I think of Leslie Jones, who, when she was doing an interview on The View, talked about how when she saw Whoopi Goldberg on TV and she was amazed and thankful and grateful because that was a representation she wasn't aware that could be done. Yeah. Right. And so what you're doing is inspiration for the next generation as well. It's all in your mindset, guys. And, you know, I want you guys to keep an eye on Cornell because you don't know he could be anywhere. He could be doing some amazing things. Well, he is doing amazing things, but you might see him in the news and stuff. Right. And also you should check out. He does. uh, Are you now doing your morning thing? Not on Periscope, but Facebook Live or. I'm doing it on both. I'm doing. uh, Oh, aren't you fancy? fancy. (laughs) I'm doing the 60 seconds of sanity with my kids in the morning, uh, most mornings. And then I'm doing my quote of the day on Periscope. But I'm also doing, it's almost like a thought of the day on Facebook Live. Just what, it's not really about the quote all the time. It's just kind of, you know, something that's inspired me to say something like today was, um, the the title was, you know, but did you die? <laughs> it was like from the Hangover movie and saying how, you know, when you go through a lot of stuff, that's great. but if you're still living, if you're still breathing, you know, you have an opportunity to change your situation, you know? So uh, I just kind of go on rants and listen to music and it's a, it's a fun time. Which, which means you guys should be following him because you don't want to miss the fun times. And so you guys can connect with Cornell definitely on social media. But before you do that, Cornell has to share one thing he would recommend to you guys 
as you chase your dreams or as you may begin chasing your dreams? What do you have for them? Uh, my one thing is this. Never let anyone's negative words stop your positive actions, even if they're your own. Never let them stop your positive actions. Just keep moving forward. Martin Luther King has a great quote. He said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. And I just challenge you guys to keep moving forward uh, when it comes to chasing your dreams. All right, we're going to end on that note because that was fantastic. (laughs) I love that quote. It's one of my favorites. Cornell, thank you so much for joining us and sharing that. And you definitely have to come back on the show so we can see how you're doing. I would be honored to. Thank you so much, Amy. You're doing some great work. And there you have it, guys. Cornell Thomas, who graciously has come onto the show and shared some of his time, his knowledge, his experience with you. And we had such a good time. Uh, One of my favorite episodes. And hopefully you guys got something out of it because there were so many different things you could have, including this little thing about turning your whys into what nows. Okay. So if you're going through a difficult time or if negativity is kind of focused, you know, change your perspective, take your why me, take your why is this happening and turn into what do I do now? What now? Okay. And you might be surprised by what happens when you change your perspective like that. Okay. So you guys can find all the links that were mentioned here today, as well as a little bit more about this episode in Cornell over on the show notes page, which you can find at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 59. That's episode five, nine. Until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.